1: 365 days a
0: year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast.
1: What's going on, Packer fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Today, we're going to be breaking down all the news and notes from day three of Packers' practice, which admittedly, was a pretty boring practice, if I'm being totally honest with you. It was still great to be out there. There were a few takeaways that we're certainly gonna go over today. This is about an hour and 20 minute practice at about 50% pace, tons of walkthroughs, very light practice, no um, you know, intense team activities, no push ups after certain competitive periods or anything like that. This was a legitimate walkthrough. There was a reason that Matt LaFleur and the Packers decided to close that practice to the public because you would have been bored out in the stands in all likelihood uh, watching anything from that practice. But uh, there were, like I said, some takeaways, some news and notes. And of course, if you get me within any eyesight of a uh, Packer practice in any capacity, I'm going to find things to take away from it. So I've got those things for you today. Now, before we get into the actual practice portion, there was one transaction, at least as of recording this, uh, and that was Jonathan Garvin was released from the roster on his birthday, nonetheless. So a couple things here, first of all, remember Jonathan Garvin missed, or you know, in some capacity, the off season program seemingly by choice. Now, um, we don't know the extent of that. We don't know if he had a great reason for not going to those practices, but he did not go to the non-mandatory portion of the offseason workouts for the second consecutive season. You also saw at Edge Rusher, they added Lucas Van Ness. You've got Rashawn Gary coming back. You've got Inigbare. They brought Justin Hollins back. Bretton Cox has been looking good. You've got Preston Smith. Like The numbers did not look great at the edge position. So what did Green Bay do recently? I don't know if it was at the behest of Jonathan Garvin or if they wanted him to do it, but he had been practicing with the defensive linemen. Now, here's the truth, right? He would be making a transition to a position that he has not really played before. He doesn't really have the size and bulk to hold up as a defensive lineman. And if I were Jonathan Garvin, all right, if I were Jonathan Garvin, I would have said, can I get released so I can try to be an edge rusher somewhere else? Now, this is assuming that Green Bay was the ones that asked him to move from edge to defensive line and that you know he had any say in this. I have no idea. I'm not reporting that. I have not seen anything that has you know even presupposed that or reported that in any way, that this was Garvin's decision. All I'm saying is that if I'm Jonathan Garvin and they asked me to move to defensive line and I'm starting to look at things, I'm like, yeah, this is not looking good here in Green Bay. I might say, hey, can I go so you know can you release me so I can try to catch on somewhere else so I can continue to play edge rusher because I'm not a defensive lineman Again don't know if that's the case I don't know if that's what happened but you could sort of see the writing on the wall Now I had mentioned, and I've mentioned this in the past, that I didn't think he was going to make it last year, but because of the same things, like some of the edge numbers didn't really add up, and you looked at him not attending the mandatory or the you know non-mandatory sessions. Like, like how is Jonathan Garvin going to make this team again? But he did last year, so nothing would have surprised me again this year. But that move to defensive line felt like it was going to be the writing on the wall. And I again, I don't know if this was Green Bay just saying, yeah, this isn't going to work out. See you later. I don't know if Jonathan Garvin had some say in this. I don't know if. There was some incident. I have no idea. But the big thing here, Jonathan Garvin no longer on the roster. And I talked about this when I went through and ranked every single player. Jonathan Garvin is not a 53-man roster player, okay? Simple as that. Like at this point in time, he is just simply not a a worthwhile use of a 53-man roster spot. doesn't mean he's bad at football, and it doesn't mean that he's not worthy of a practice squad spot. I do think he has the ability to catch on with another team. And like if he's a guy that you need to call up in week 10 because you've had two injuries at the edge rusher position and you need him for 10 snaps a game, he can do that. Like there's yeah like he's good enough to be in that discussion, right? But if you're looking for a player who has upside and has the ability to maybe develop into a starting caliber player, that's just not Jonathan Garvin, at least nothing that he's shown over the course of the past few seasons. So disappointing that this is a former seventh round pick who Green Bay has tried to develop through the past few seasons, and it just hasn't really come to fruition. Um, That all ends up with a release on his birthday uh, on on Friday and uh, you know, ultimately he's going to be looking for work somewhere else. As of recording this episode, Green Bay did not make any corresponding transaction. We will see if they add, I'm sure they're going to add another player to the roster. We'll see what position and what player that ultimately ends up being. As far as practice is concerned, the big news, the biggest takeaway that you are going to get from this practice is that Jair Alexander was back at practice. No issues. You know, Matt Lafleur mentioned you know before practice it even started that he had no concern. He said he felt uh, really good about it when he saw Jair backpedaling at the end of practice on Thursday. So no concern there. Jair is totally fine. Um, obviously, it wasn't a full speed practice, so it's not like we could see him. But if there were any concerns whatsoever, if it was anything probably more than the cramp that it probably was on Thursday, he would not have been out there on Friday. They would have just given him the day off. So he was back practicing, even though it was just a fifty percent half speed sort of practice. Either way, you love to see that he's back out there and that there's no major issue with Jair moving forward, especially on a week where Jalen Ramsey's already had surgery. Joe Burrow's going to be out for a significant period of time. Like these things sometimes happen, you know, all of a sudden, all at once. And you don't need your all pro corner uh, not being available for any portion of anything, right? So glad to see him back at practice. Meanwhile, only four players not practicing, Rashawn Gary, Eric Stokes, Grant DuBose, and Dontavian Wicks. David Bakhtiari, who had basically the day off on Thursday, was back again. It's only a 50% walkthrough practice, but he was back at practice and going through that walkthrough with the remainder of the team on Friday. So again, I think it's still worth noting here. Only four players not practicing, Gary Stokes, Dubose, and Dontavian Wicks. That is two offense, two defense, and you can't ask for much more than that. I know it's still early, and I know there's going to be injuries through the course of the season, but can't ask much for much more than 86 players available. I guess 85. No, 86, because you have the extra player um, with the International Pathway Program. So overall, very, very good numbers from an injury standpoint so far. Your starters on the day, Jordan Love at quarterback. Aaron Jones at running back, Josiah Deguara and Luke Musgrave at tight end, Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson at wide receiver, David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers, John Runyon Jr., and Yash Naiman at right tackle. On defense, Devontae Wyatt, Kenny Clark, and TJ Slayton along the defensive line. Justin Hollins was back with the ones as an edge rusher along with Preston Smith. Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker at linebacker, Jair Alexander and Razul Douglas at corner with Rudy Ford and Darnell Savage at safety. Now, those are the starters. Um, also worth noting, Yash Nyman and Zach Tom were rotating at that right tackle spot. And you also saw them you know, both play some left tackle as well. Uh, but Nyman got the first opportunity at right tackle, but they were switching those uh, pretty regularly uh, throughout the course of the day. Also per Bill Huber with the second team offensive line, they were doing the same thing sort of with Caleb Jones and Rasheed Walker at tackle. I think it was Jones at left tackle and Rashid Walker at right tackle on Thursday. Those switched, it was Caleb Jones at right tackle, Rashid Walker at left tackle on Friday as they continue to try to cross-train as many of these offensive linemen as they possibly can. Now, during that was like the initial starter, you know, period, right? When they went through some of the team drills, a lot of the day was spent in two different sessions or like two different areas of the field, I should say. You had Jordan Love and the ones sort of ish. And I'll get to that in a second on one side of the field. And then you had everyone else on the other side of the field. In total, there were 42 players that were practicing with the ones, which basically split right down the middle. Now, some of these players came and went and some of them practiced with the you know second, third, fourth teamers on the other side. Every once in a while, a second, third or fourth teamer would come to this side. But in total, through the course of the day, there were 42 players that practiced with that main group. And that's where you want to be. You want to be with that main group practicing with Jordan Love and practicing against Jordan Love. That's the big leagues of Packers practice, right? If you're down on the other end, you're more in the developmental group. Now, before I get into who was with the ones through the course of the day, I will say this as well. There have been times... And Ray Wilborn was a great example of this, where he would practice with the ones and be rotating in. And then they would have like Ty Summers and Isaiah McDuffie down on the other side. And it was more so that they could get every rep on the other side, rather than just a handful of reps with the ones, right? So Ray Wilborn would be down with the ones, but he would get like five snaps subbing in. Meanwhile, Summers and McDuffie would get every snap down on the other side. So it's not always a perfect indicator of like who they want to be with that group. It is a pretty good indicator. And you'll see that all of these players are, you know, within that conversation. Right. But just because the players down at the other side, it could just be that they want to get that player as many snaps as possible and know that if they're down on that side, they can play him as much as they want. So just note that before we go over it. But 42 players practicing on, you know, with the A group, we'll say.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast
1: Jordan Love at quarterback, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, Patrick Taylor, and Lou Nichols at running back, Tyler Goodson down on the other side, Romeo Dobbs, Samore Toure, Christian Watson, Jaden Reed, and Malik Heath with the wide receivers, Luke Musgrave, Tyler Davis, and Josiah Deguara with the tight ends, Tucker Kraft down on the other end, David Bakhtiari, Yash Nyman, and Zach Tom with the offensive tackles. Elton Jenkins, John Runyon Jr., and Royce Newman with the guards, and then Josh Myers at center. So those are the players on offense that were rotating around and playing with the ones. Lou Nichols did see some time on the other side, as did Patrick Taylor, as did Malik Keith. So those players did see some time on the other side as well, but those are the players who got time with the ones on offense. On the defensive side of the ball, it was Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, TJ Slayton, and Colby Wooden along the defensive line. Preston Smith, Justin Hollins, Lucas Van Ness, and Kingsley Ngbari with the edge rushers. Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker, Isaiah McDuffie, Eric Wilson, and Tariq Carpenter with the linebackers. Jair Alexander, Razul Douglas, Keyshawn Nixon, Corey Ballantyne, and Shamarjan Charles with the corners. Darnell Savage, Rudy Ford, Tavarius Moore, and Dallin Levitt with the safeties. So Levitt uh, within this group, Um, And then uh, Tariq Carpenter did see some time on the other side as well. But those were your players that saw time with these starters on defense. Notice here that uh, Lucas Van Ness finally getting his sort of chance to work with the ones a little bit. He still wasn't the starter, quote unquote, that was Justin Hollins along with Preston Smith, but he was with that core group practicing with the ones and the sort of twos mixed in there as well. Uh, But that is a little bit of a promotion for Van Ness who had primarily been working on the other side and working with the threes more often than not do not read into that. It definitely seems more of a, you got to earn your spot kid sort of thing than like he's not performing well sort of thing. Uh, But take that for whatever it's worth. The more interesting period of practice, and you will never hear me say this, was actually the punting version. It felt a little bit more lively than just the plain boring kind of walkthroughs where like, guys, these walkthroughs are like you're literally kind of going through it at slow motion, and they're like, "Up, oh, play action, fake. Let me turn around. Oh, running back in the flat. I'll throw it over there. All right, next play. Like, is very, very slow in molasses type movement for the offense and the defense. And it's just mental reps, right? It's not going full speed. You're trying to keep everyone healthy, especially with you know back to back to back days of practice. But the punt one was a little bit more lively, not like insanely, but you could at least see live punting um, the punt returners. Jaden Reed actually was the first returner up, followed by Keyshawn Nixon, and they basically split the vast majority of the punt returns, Jaden Reed and Keyshawn Nixon, with Samori Toure getting a couple in there as well. Interesting, and this maybe is just of interest to me, Daniel Whelan, zero punts on the day, Pat O'Donnell, 14 punts. So they did 14 live punts, Pat O'Donnell got all 14 of them, so do with that what you will. And then what I like to keep track of too is which players they're using as gunners. Like your core gunners have a really good chance of making the roster. Unfortunately, they rotated through a bunch of guys. So it was really tough to tell like, you know, who's ultimately going to end up with that job. But Razul Douglas, Samore Touré, Innis Gaines, Corey uh, Shamar Shamarjan Charles, Tyrell Ford, uh, Carrington Valentine, Keandre Thomas, Rudy Ford, Benny Sapp, Malik Keith. uh, Deuce Watts, and then Tavarius Moore all got time with the Gunners. There may have been one or two more they had the pennies on, and I couldn't always tell who was who, uh, but I could tell for sure that those players all worked with the Gunners. Again, Rizul, Torre, Gaines, Valentine, SJC, Tyrell Ford, Valentine, Keandre Thomas, Rudy Ford, Benny Sapp, uh, Heath Watts, and Tavarius Moore. So those are your players that worked at Gunner in some capacity. On the field goal protect team, Luke Musgrave and Tucker craft were your wing players. So those are the guys like set back a little bit and on the very far sides, um, which is like, it makes sense, right? Those guys need to have a little bit of agility. If all of a sudden one of those, you know, rushers off the edge is like coming around fast and just kind of get out there a little bit, but enough kind of weight and uh, width to be able to withstand if there's like a pressure coming inside a little bit as well. So, um, I think both of those players make sense, but one of the interesting things, and again, maybe just to me, Caleb Jones and Kadim Telfort were the two on the far left side of the actual line itself. One of the best things that you can have on the field goal kicking team is width. The wider that you can be um, without giving up like inside rushes, it makes it harder for those like little, you know, flyers coming off the edge trying to, you know, block the kick because now they have a further distance to circle around and get to that field goal to block it, right? So when you've got some mammoth human beings like Caleb Jones and Kadim Telford, that is going to widen that line quite a bit. I mean, in, in at least relatively, right? And hopefully that makes it harder for those rushers off the edge to get around and have an opportunity to block the kick, not to mention the fact they're two huge human beings. So if you want to get through them and go inside, you know, they have the ability to maul you as well. So those could be uh, a couple nice spots for Telford and Caleb Jones, assuming that they find their way onto the team in some capacity. The other thing I will mention here is I really love, and I've talked about this a little bit in the past, but I love when Matt LaFleur does some positional coaching and he is not afraid to coach any position at any time. But there was just this really cool moment where uh, it looked like maybe Jordan Love and Malik Heath and Jaden Reed weren't on the same page on a play. So he stops the play and he gets Love and Reed and Heath all together and just kind of chats through what the expectation of the play was. And they kind of go through it. They go back. And then what they they I think they run another play, and then Matt throws his walkie-talkie to Tom Clements, and what I believe is the like calling the plays basically. And he's like Tom, Tom, and he throws it to Tom, and Tom catches it. Awesome play, best throw of the day, best catch of the day. And uh, anyway, Tom gets I think he was then calling the plays, but it allowed Matt then to go and actually individually coach these players. And he goes over with Malik right away and he demonstrates exactly how he wants the route run. And you know, like literally shows him, he's like, this is what I need you to do at this point. This is where I need you to break it off. It's, I don't know the exact, you know, coaching he was giving, but you could tell, um, because Matt LaFleur like ran the route and was showing him exactly what he wanted him to do. So, that was like really fun to see. And then he kind of goes back and then he sees Jaden Reed on the other side and he goes and he does kind of the same thing with Jaden Reed and talks to him about what he wants on a specific play. So I just like, I think we always, you know, see Maddie's the guy that speaks at the podium. We see him calling plays. Like we see him doing all these different things and then, you know, aggressively throwing the challenge flag and all gas, no brakes. But When he, like my favorite times watching Matt are when he really gets into the minutia of exactly what he wants a player to do on a specific play. Like he knows everything from like, he'll coach linebackers, safeties, receivers. It doesn't matter if he sees something that's not run to perfection. He's not afraid to, you know, delegate responsibility to his other coaches to have them continue practice. And he'll go and coach individual players. Like I said, at any position, it's one of my favorite things to watch with Matt LaFleur. Uh, pre-practice, I had the opportunity to ask him as well about Tyler Goodson. I mentioned this yesterday. He was doing some of the jet sweep and jet motion stuff. And I asked him, I'm like, is that something that you feel um, that he can do? And like, similar to what you did with um, Tyler Irvin, uh, you know, a few years back. And he's like, he's like, basically, yeah. And he's like, the more that you can do as a player, it just gives you more opportunity. Um, It was a little bit of a, a, you know bland answer, I guess, from Matt. But overall, you can just tell that they're trying to figure out something that Tyler Goodson can kind of bring to the table that gives him a little bit more opportunity to maybe get on the field. I've talked about this with Tyler in the past, really fun player. Um, I think he can be very dynamic. He's their fastest running back, but not a great pass protector. He's a good catcher out of the backfield, but not a great like overall like receiver. It's not like you can line him up wide and he can all of a sudden just run routes against anyone. Um, not you know, he can be a kick returner, but he doesn't have a ton of other special teams value. So he has to find ways to add value to the team in some capacity, and maybe it is in a Tyler Irvin-esque role. And I think Tyler Goodson could do that, and I think he could be um really fun in that opportunity you know, given that opportunity as well. So um, it was cool to kind of hear that from Matt that he, you know, kind of confirmed that they could see him doing something in that capacity. Practice schedule moving forward, it'll be a normal practice on Saturday, no pads yet, but it will be open to the public. Packers have off on Sunday, or at least there's no practice on Sunday that's open to anyone. And then they have their first padded practice on Monday. So if you're looking for those padded practices, the first one that'll be um, padded is Monday and that will be open to the public ten thirty a.m. That is going to do it for me today with all of my news and notes from Friday's practice. I'll be right back here tomorrow, breaking down Saturday's practice, which should be much more interesting. Make sure to subscribe if you have not already. Like, comment, do your thing. You guys are the absolute best. I'll see you tomorrow, but until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go!